birthday in particular that had a special uh, note to it. It, uh, From my perspective, while everyone is significant, uh, there was a birthday celebration uh, for our family that was, if I can use the term, one of a kind. It was uh, the first birthday of my middle child, Annika. Uh, Annika was born, uh, uh, seems like yesterday, in 2007, and so it was June 2008 that we got the family together to, to celebrate and praise God for her life. Now, uh, the reason it was so significant to celebrate her first birthday was because, at least in our mind, the details surrounding her birth were stressful and scary and difficult, and she was in the NICU, and for us at the time, that was like earth-shattering. Now, we understand this. We've heard so many other stories of so many people that have endured so many more hard realities, and so we want to be sensitive to that. But for us in that moment, that was just so significant. We wept. We were scared. We trusted in the Lord. But the manner in which she came into the world just was a little shaky for us at the Maisie's. And so at our first birthday party for her, we had a video, we had pictures. Heck, I prepared a sermon for the birthday party, you know, because that's just what I do. And so there was weeping and there was a lot of family members looking at us like, this is a little overkill. But nonetheless, there was something significant, one of a kind about that birthday celebration because there was something significant and one of a kind in terms of the way that she was brought into our lives and the testimony and the faithfulness of God that we were able to highlight as a result of that is just unique. It was one of a kind. So today, that's what we are doing together, right? We are the family of God. We've invited the world and an extended family, this community to participate with us in celebrating a one-of-a-kind birth into the world. A one-of-a-kind birthday celebration is taking place. Today we are celebrating the birth of a child, uh, namely Jesus Christ. And for over two millennia, this uh, is, happens every year. The details surrounding His birth is focused upon. Attention is given to it. And joy and gratitude and response comes with it. And I'm here to tell you today that the details surrounding this one-of-a-kind birth is vastly important, infinitely significant. We might dismiss it as not important, irrelevant, not really crucial to experiencing the fullness of joy when it comes to this festive season. But I'm here today to tell you that the details, the way in which Christ's birth came about, is infinitely important for us. The way Jesus was born is infinitely significant, and we cannot ignore it. And so for a short time, we pray, we will focus upon these things. We will consider today the way, the way in which Jesus Christ was born into the world, and why the way in which He was born matters. Why it is a gift unlike any other, a -a one-of-a-kind gift to the world. Why such a focus on this? Well, Matthew's first verse in the passage that we're looking 
at this morning. I want you to grab your Bibles, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I want you to follow along with me. Matthew's first verse says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. So the focus of our passage today is Matthew's recording of the birth of Jesus Christ and how it took place in this way. He wants us to know. And so we continue reading that passage, Matthew 1, 18-25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God abides forever. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Generally speaking, we would not expect the birth of of a child, the conception of a child to happen in this way. Right? I mean, we're not going to get into the details about how this all happens. Okay? Parents go, few. We're not going to get into the details about how physiologically and biologically how a child is conceived and born. We're not doing that. I should get an amen to that this morning. It seems to not be fitting for the occasion for us to talk about the details of how this goes down. But generally speaking, based on what we know about how this happens, typically, ordinarily, we can look at this story and go, we would not expect it to happen in this way. Right? This is out of the box of our expectations. This shakes what we would expect From the core, it just, nah, as we read this, probably not. Biologically speaking, we would not expect a virgin to be with child, as Matthew records, right? That's what it says, verse 18 and 19, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, before they had any uh, sexual relationship, before they came together, before any of that happened, she was found to be with child. And at the end, verse 25, but he knew her not. What does that mean? They did not have any sexual nature to their relationship. She was a virgin. She was a virgin and she was expecting a child conceived in her womb. 
biologically, we would just simply not expect this. It's out of the box of our expectations in terms of the way in which a child is conceived and the way in which a son would be born into the world. And naturally speaking, we would not expect a supernatural angelic announcement to take place at the announcement of the birth and conception of a child. Right? I have three children. This is typically how it goes. Wife looks at husband. I think I'm pregnant. Wife goes to Rite Aid, buys test, goes into bathroom, comes out of bathroom with a, a simple sign on a, on a little device and says, I think I am pregnant. Wife and husband go to the doctor, confirm, yes, you are pregnant. And then everyone who has any sense of how announcements should go immediately goes to Snapfish or Princopi or some sort of online make-a-card announcement thing and then immediately sends this beautiful Pinterest-like thing out to the world and makes an announcement with the wife holding her belly and some ribbon on it. <laughs> Merry Christmas, we're having a baby. And then there's constant Facebooking and tweeting about said baby that is coming into the world, right? That's, that's the typical announcement. It's very natural. It's wonderful. It, it feels supernatural when we go on, right? If, but it's not. It's, that's the typical way that announcements go. But we see this, that there's an angelic announcement that comes with this conception, with this birth. That's just not typical. That's not normal, right? For an angel to show up in a dream and tell the father-to-be, you're going to have a baby. Do not fear. That's not typical. Fathers, raise your hands if you had angels showing up to you. When, okay, if anybody raises their hand, we got issues. But I think typically, you know, the father being a little nervous about the situation feels, feels more like this is a nightmare than it is a dream. But nonetheless, we would not expect an angel to show up. This is bizarre. It's out of the realm of ordinary. It's not typical. We would not expect the conception and birth of a child to take place in this manner. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. A child conceived by the Holy Spirit and a child born of a virgin named Mary runs contrary to all of our biological and scientific expectations about the way in which this happens. Right? Donald McLeod in his book says this, the virgin birth is blatantly supernatural. It defies, or it is defying, our rationalism. You see, you look at a situation like this, and it's just easy to conclude this is a nice, cute story for kids to be read about animals and about a, a, a young girl. It's, it's fable. It's fiction. And as you read it, it's easy to conclude this feels forced. It feels theologically forced. All right? it, it, can we really conceive that a virgin is pregnant? 
Can we really conceive that the virgin is pregnant because the Holy Spirit came upon her and overshadowed her? Can we really conceive that there was uh, uh, that this kind of conception and birth actually took place? I think just typical, ordinary science, biology, just natural reading of this, we can conclude this is a cute story, but that's about it. And many people have spent years explaining why there's no other real conclusion to come from other than this is fable, this is fiction, this is force. Because it just blatantly comes at our naturalistic mindset. It blatantly comes at our rational thinking. This doesn't happen, right? So why would he expect it to ever happen? We would never expect the birth of Jesus to come about in this way. That's the tension I think that we feel. And you may be feeling that now. And even, even those who have superficially uh, adhered to such a belief, as the Apostles' Creed says, right? right? Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Something that's central to Christian teaching and orthodoxy for generations. This is what we believe. And even now, if I just push on you a little bit, do you really believe that? Because it goes against every ounce of expectation in your mind about how this works and the way in which this comes about. Do you really believe in the virgin birth, in the Spirit's conception of this child? I had to ask myself that often this week. Do you believe that this really took place? On what basis can you conceive of this kind of -of out-of-the-box supernatural miracle? While it's contrary to what we might expect, in another sense, we should have expected it. That's the tension here. Because while the birth of Jesus Christ comes about in a way that we would least expect, Actually, the birth of Jesus Christ comes about in the way that God had promised. This way in which Jesus is born is really an expression of His power, of His authority, and His faithfulness to a people that He has made very clear promises to. So while we might not expect it, on the one hand, if you're the people of God who know The rich history of a God that makes promises and keeps them. A God that acts supernaturally in human history in such a way to reveal His power and His faithfulness. Then you might actually expect this. You might actually be waiting for this very miracle to occur. We call it a season of expectation. Why? Because God for centuries made promises to a people that this would take place. And so for a people that look to God in faith and understand that while in normal human experience and reality, yes, this is completely impossible. But because of the supernatural power of God and His intention to be faithful to every promise that He's made, because we know and trust that God, that creates a sense of expectation. 
Not this can't happen, but when will it happen? When will this take place? How long, O Lord, until you keep your promises? Oftentimes you read in the Old Testament. How long until you unleash your authority and power in history to radically turn possibilities upside down for humanity? How long until you keep your promises? I said to someone this week, how can, how can you honestly believe, honestly, in the virgin birth? Like really, come on, pushing them. How could you conceive of the Spirit of God causing conception? How could you conceive that this could ever happen just, just based on percentages? And I love the response. What do you mean? I'm talking about it's easy to believe. It's easy to believe. God created the world with one word, let there be. All the miracles of the Old Testament, all that God has done throughout history, it's easy to believe. If God could do that, if God could make us from nothing, if God could separate the waters in Egypt and pull His people out of 430 years of slavery, If God has that kind of authority, that kind of power, surely He could do this. You see, the, the eyes of faith that, and the ears of faith that hear the promises of God, that, that, that gives rise to expectation. So on the one hand, we would not expect it. But on the other hand, God's people have been expecting this for centuries. 730 years. Verse 22, all this took place. To fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, 730 years before the birth of Jesus, this promise was given to a people through this servant and prophet Isaiah. While it was not expected, all this took place in fulfillment of what God had promised. This one-of-a-kind birth tells us that we have a one-of-a-kind child that has come into the world. It's not ordinary. It's not natural. It's one-of-a-kind. It's unique. The way in which He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the way in which He came into the world through a servant, a virgin, Mary, it's one of a kind. It's never happened. It will never happen again. A one of a kind birth points to a one of a kind child. How can I say that? Well, look at what it says. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name. What? Emmanuel. This child is God. God present with us. As promised, all this took place. This child is the promised son of David. Look at verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Right? This king that would come and rule forever over his people would be a son of David. This is the promised 
king, the promised son of David. This is the promised child who would be called Emmanuel. God is with us. He's not absent from us. He's not distant. God is with us as God promised. Unique. This child. And last but not least, of course, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Why Jesus? Why the name Jesus? For he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is God with us to save us. Jesus is the promised Savior. He's the promised presence of God. He's the promised ruler. A one-of-a-kind birth is the sign that this is the one-of-a-kind child, the one-of-a-kind son who has been promised and now this has happened and come into the world. And all this took place to convey that God is faithful. God is faithful. 730 years is a long time to be waiting. Right? And here we are 2,000 years after I'll come again, waiting, waiting. It seems so long. But God is faithful. In His perfect timing, in His perfect way, He always keeps His promises. That's what we see and celebrate in Christmas. The faithfulness of God. The power of God. Who turns the, the possibility of humanity upside down. The way in which He's born is one of a kind because of the, the, the who He is is one of a kind. The King. The presence of God with us. The Savior that we have longed for for so long. And He alone is this. That's very important in our pluralistic, relativistic society and world that says it doesn't matter. All paths lead to God. Listen, there's only one of a kind. Uh, this is the one of a kind birth and the one of a kind child. He is the only one. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He uniquely is this Savior. So the way in which Jesus is born reveals who Jesus is. The way reveals the who. Right? This, the way in which this took, took place, it just puts on display for us who He is. And He is unlike any other child. So therefore, this day is unlike any other day when we celebrate the coming of God into the world. The incarnation where the Word is made flesh. And I think it's important to note that as we wrestle with skepticism about whether or not this really has occurred, I love Matthew's emphasis. All this took place. All this took place. It is historic fact. It is historic reality that all of this took place recorded by Matthew. It's not fable. It's not fiction. Yes, it goes against our normal expectations. Praise God that it does. Praise God that He entered into history in this way to give us this one-of-a-kind child, to be this one-of-a-kind king, one-of-a-kind savior. 
the way Jesus is born reveals who Jesus is. And who Jesus is reveals why he was born. Right? His name shall be called Jesus. Why? He will save his people from their sins. Even in this, now, in this birth, we come to grips with the, the reason he was born into the world. He was born to die. Jesus was born to die, to give himself as a perfect offering and a sacrifice to save us from our sins. And now it gets personal. This is the point of the message where it gets personal. That it's not just some historic fact to consider. But we have a very real personal problem called sin. Fallen state. Sinful actions. Rebellion against God. Disobedience to His commands. And that because of all of that, we stand before a holy and righteous God condemned in our sin. But here's the wonderful nature of the Gospel and how Christmas opens up the gates of possibility for us to be saved from our sins, thus highlighting the gracious gift that Christ is to a sinful humanity. That Jesus came into the world to save us from our sins. To save you from your sins. One-of-a-kind birth brings about a one-of-a-kind child to bring about a one-of-a-kind salvation. For a one-of-a-kind problem. All the problems and issues that you face every single day, and we have many of them. There is no problem. There is no predicament so eternally significant and heavy than your relationship with God and your need for reconciliation with Him. Your need to be saved from just wrath against your wicked heart and depraved nature before God. All your sinful actions. And here's the wonderful news of Christmas. Salvation has been given in Jesus Christ. In the birth of this child. One of a kind opportunity. One of a kind gift given to the people of God. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. Who he is tells us why he was born. Jesus means the Lord saves. Or Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. I don't know what your image of God is or how you view Him. But in Christ, we can know Him as present with us. Jesus is God with us to save us. He's not indifferent to your need and your problem. He's not abandoned you to figure it out on your own. In the person of Jesus Christ, as He promised, He came to save you from your sin. What an expression of divine love, mercy, and grace. That is the gift of Christmas. That to be honest, I can all too easily forget. I can all too easily get wrapped up in the songs and the cookies and the presents and the tree that leans 
because something went wrong when I set it up and I gave up and I thought, this actually kind of reflects perfectly us. It looks nice, but it's a little crooked. So I said, let's keep it. It's easy with PS4s and uh, makeup and all this, whatever, whatever you want, whatever you had and whatever you bought. It's so easy to be distracted. We're looking for that one-of-a-kind gift on Amazon for a month to give that one-of-a-kind smile on the face of a child. But the one-of-a-kind gift is Christ. And you can't find him at Amazon.com. You can only find him here in the promise and fulfillment of God in his working in history. Right? So this one-of-a-kind birth and this one-of-a-kind child puts on this one-of-a-kind salvation. What kind of a response does this call from us? We spend much of our time, it seems, giving dirty looks and grinted teeth and instruction. Say thank you. Say thank you. Kids get a gift and they're like, next, you know, easy. You know, oh, cool, next. And you're like, no, no, go, give him a hug. Yeah, sorry. He's grateful, I promise. You spend time trying to instruct your children. There's an appropriate response to someone giving something to you, big or small, right? You teach them to be grateful, to, to fake it till you make it, even if you don't like it. You never show them, right? You're teaching them to show gratitude and be thankful for someone else's simple grace in their life. Try to show them they're not entitled to this. Mm. That's a powerful statement when it comes to Christmas. We're not entitled to this, amen? This is a gift. This salvation, this child, this birth is a gift. It's God's grace to you. You don't deserve it. And there's an appropriate way to respond. And I think we can easily forget. But I just want to push on this for one more minute. If this is a one-of-a-kind birth that displays a one-of-a-kind child, that gives a one-of-a-kind salvation, does it not mean that we should have a one-of-a-kind response to this? It's, the gifts under the tree, they, they really fall short to put on display the radical nature of this grace, this gift. And so we don't go, thank you for the PS4 and thank you for salvation. and thank, This is a one-of-a-kind kind of joy. This is a one-of-a-kind Gratitude. This is a one-of-a-kind faith. Based on Christ, who He is, what He's done, the child, the uniqueness of Him, this gift creates a joy that is unparalleled to any other temporal joy that we know. It's deeper, isn't it? It's longer, it's, it's higher, it's farther. 
It doesn't go up and down with temporal circumstances and fads. This is eternal joy. Even when things aren't so great, there's a joy in Christ. There's a gratitude. There's cause for thank you, Father, for doing this. A constant gratitude toward God. Stewarding the gift that He's given us. Applying it. Considering it. There's a faith. There's a dependence. Uh, We depend on many things just to make it through the day. But there's something unique about the way that we depend upon this child. This Lord. This Savior. This King. It's all of us. We depend solely and wholly, comprehensively, universally, absolutely upon this child because of who he is. And I think a child that's born into the world to do what he alone can do calls for radical submission, radical obedience, a turning away from sin, and a turning to God and saying, You have all of me. You gave me all of yourself in the person of Jesus. The appropriate response is, you you have all of me, God. You tell me what to do. You tell me what to say. You tell me how to live. You even tell me how to feel. I bow my knee in absolute submission to to your person and will. So I throw out there, how will you respond to this one-of-a-kind gift? Will it be just like anything else under the tree today? Tomorrow? Will it be a, eh, it's nice. It's cute. Or will it be an absolute surrender? A resounding joy? A deep gratitude that transforms the fabric of who you are? Every decision you make? every relationship that you have and enjoy, every dollar in your pocket, every hope and dream, every goal, does this radically reshape everything about you? Or are we just going, eh, that was nice. It's my prayer that every single one of you, no matter where you are in your walk with God today, would see Christmas for what it really is, a unique day, that puts on display a unique birth that actually took place in history, that, calls, uh, that, uh, that secures a unique salvation from a unique Savior and calls for a one-of-a-kind response, giving all of yourself to all that He is. I pray this gives you the joy and peace and hope that you long for uh, this day, tomorrow, and forever. Let's pray. Father, you crafted a one of a kind plan to secure a one of a kind gift, to redeem and save a one-of-a-kind people through 
the birth, life, and death of the one-of-a-kind Jesus. And I pray that we would give all that we are in response to all that He is. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.